you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Y'all know that we, uh, we're a church that believes in the gifts of his Holy Spirit, the gifts he's given to the body of Christ. And I want to tell you the way it starts for each and every one of us is desire. Okay? So you have to, the word says to eagerly desire his gifts. So would you say, would we prophesy over ourselves tonight that we desire every gift that he has for us? We desire every Every gift that that he has has for us. us. You know, when Pastor and I, we were in a Baptist church, so we knew about the gifts of mercy, the gifts of administration, and, you know, the gift of helps and all these things, but they weren't the power gifts. So you have to understand, we weren't raised knowing that we had those gifts that we could move and operate in. Now, you might have been raised in that, and you might take it for granted, okay? But for Pastor and I, it was like we won the lottery. I'm telling you, it was like there's gifts of healing. There's a gift of miracles and all the gifts. I wanted to tell you, so we remember our first We remember the first time we spoke in tongues. We remember the first time we had a word of knowledge. We remember the first time we laid hands on the sick and believed God for a miracle, okay? We remember the first financial miracle we ever received. We remember these things. So every time we walk in these doors and we see all of you, we're like, they remember too. You remember when you got saved. And y'all, but this army that we're taking to change a culture in our city, we've got to move and operate in the gifts of his Holy Spirit. So I wanted to tell you, if you haven't had a first word of knowledge, all you have to have is desire. It's desire from your heart. And I remember saying, God, I want every gift you have for me. Now, I know you say that, you know, you give as you desire, but could I have them all? Because they're all good. They're all wonderful. And I just love them. And I thought, wow. But so... The first word of knowledge that I ever had. Um, wow. Y'all, I'm not even going to this, but about a redbird story. Pastor took uh, Pam and uh, I to Dallas, Texas, to pray for a Hindu boy that had cancer that we did not know, okay? Well, I'll go into that story later. That's why we were in Dallas, Texas, okay? And I, who rarely have a cold or a sniffle, was so sick I couldn't talk, Okay? And this is what I dreamed about. If we got an invitation to go see this young Hindu boy, we were going to tell him about Jesus and he'd be healed and, you know, the rest of the story. But while we were there, Pam and I were battling some kind of hormone problem or something. I don't know. I think it was Pam. So we went to this naturopathic doctor, uh, not naturopathic, but I don't know what he was. He, Pam had heard about him in the beauty shop. So we were there, so we went. And while we were there, everybody was just sitting in a circle. And it wasn't that private. You know, you kind of hear a little bit about what's going on. And I saw a person walk up, and they had their x-rays. And you knew they had cancer, and they were very sick. And um, we were just sitting there, and the sorrow on her face. And I leaned over to Pam, and I just whispered, Do you know one of my favorite things about Jesus? And she said, what? And I said, his compassion. You know, see, if you want to pray for the sick and see him healed, you won't pray unless you have compassion. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? You won't pray for anybody if you don't have compassion. And, you know, as Christians, we should all have compassion, but I know a lot of Christians that aren't that compassionate, honestly. Okay? But anyway, when this lady got up, I called her by name, and I said, Miss Brown, may I go pray for you? I had no, absolutely no revelation that her name was Miss Brown or anybody else, but I said, Miss Brown, can I go pray for you? And Pastor and I went outside and just took her by the hand and prayed a prayer of faith over her. Happened to have a little red bird picture in my car and gave it to, gave it to her. But see, we don't know if she, we, don't, we didn't hear out of her mouth she got healed. But I know we had a God appointment because I had a word of knowledge. Okay? So first, what do you got to do? Desire the gifts. That's it. And you need to tell him. He may be sitting there thinking, but I'm not worthy. No, you are worthy. If you carry his Holy Spirit, he wants you to move and operate in the power of his Holy Spirit. Brother Ed, I'm so glad you're teaching on this tonight. Yes. Well, I got this. Oh, that's right. Well, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, First Lady, for that testimony. How are you guys on tonight? There you go. Come on. Some excitement here. I am excited to teach on tonight, and I have a plan, but who knows where God's going to lead us. Amen? Just to back up what First Lady is talking about, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So God wants us to pursue spiritual gifts. It's much better to pursue the giver but he does instruct us to pursue the gifts as well. Amen? Amen. So what I want to do now, kind of lay some groundwork before we actually get into what is the word of knowledge and what is the word of wisdom. And so I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Says now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Dumb idols meaning they can't speak. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills, as the Spirit wills. Now, a couple things that I want to point out especially when you're talking about spiritual gifts. And 
if things start to happen in a gathering. The first thing that the scripture says is that no one speaking by the Spirit of God can call Jesus accursed. They submit to him as Lord. Now, I didn't, she has no idea I'm going to call her back up here, but I think a testimony that she has is very, very important about being able to discern when things are happening. First Lady, do you remember the, the time you were in a prayer meeting and the guy who showed up? Can you share that? Yeah, um, well, you know, we used to have it in the, in the little worship guide all the time that at 2 o'clock you could meet up here for prayer. I think it was on Tuesdays then. But so I was up here, and Pam was not going to this church, but she was meeting us in there, and Misha was here. And we were in there praying. And Pam called me on the phone. She said, there's some kind of crazy man here, you know, and I don't know. He's in the prayer room. And so I called Harold, and he said, you know what? I think you three ladies can handle it. That's what you said, remember? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and we, we did. But so this man's name was John, okay? This man's name was John. And uh, he'd been coming to our church. He wasn't crazy. But he, we thought he was homeless, but he really wasn't homeless. But anyway, he worshiped the Lord like you wouldn't believe. He said on the front row, we were only half of the size of the sanctuary. But he would have his hands raised. Everybody in the entire church was so friendly to him. It was just beautiful. So we started praying, and we started praying in tongues. And one by one, we started raising our heads up like, what in the world? That's not Holy Spirit. And I looked at him, and I said, John, we're praying to Jesus Christ, the one true living God. We're praying in his, the power of his spirit. Who are you praying to? He said, well, I'm Wiccan. And I said, well, we're Jesus, okay? <laughs> and so we told him about Jesus, and he did not accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And that was okay because Holy Spirit was, but we said, we're sorry, you can't be a part of our prayer meeting here. And he looked at us and he said, I just want to tell you, I've been to every church in San Angelo, Texas, and you are the only people that have ever called me out. So that's that discernment, I think. And we were in a good group of women that discerned, and yes. we knew it wasn't right. But Pastor also had him come in. And um, he did not receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And so we knew he was sitting inside the church cursing, and we just told him we were sorry. But if he wasn't going to repent, you know. So anyways, you'll see him occasionally. He'll be down in the parking lot cursing the church. But that's okay. That's okay. If he wants to, that's okay because you can't curse what God has blessed. That's right. So. That's right. Thank you, First Lady. I wanted her to share that because, you know, as things, as time goes on and we begin to see more manifestations of the Spirit, discernment is going to be very important. Not everything that appears to be spiritual is spiritual. And so you need to be able to discern. It's our jobs as leaders to be able to do that. But you need to be equipped to do that as well. So just understand, anybody that's moving in the Holy Spirit will submit to the Lordship of Christ. If they aren't doing that, then they have some other spirit. Second thing I want to point out here is 
you see how the Godhead is involved in all of this. If you look at verse 4, it says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So the Holy Spirit is the one that distributes the gifts. Jesus is the one who determines how they will be administered. That word uh, administrations or ministries there could also be used as connected, should I say, to Ephesians 4 and the office gifts. Okay? And then that last one, the Father determines the effect or the outcome. So the Godhead works together when it comes to the exercise of spiritual gifts. Just like the Godhead works together to bring about salvation. And the Godhead will work together to bring about the end of days. And so keep that in mind. You're gonna, that's really important. Because you're going to need to be able to determine and sense the move of the Spirit. That's very important. Now, tonight I'll be talking about the gifts of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. I want to begin with the word of knowledge because I believe that the word of wisdom actually extends the word of knowledge. And you'll see what I'm talking about as we dig into this. So I want to begin with by defining what is knowledge. That which you know or understand, what you perceive correctly. According to the Oxford Dictionary, these are facts, information, or skills. Now, the next question that I have is how do we acquire knowledge? Knowledge is acquired by a person through experience or education. It's the theoretical or practical understanding of a subject. Now, that's kind of, if you will, the secular definition of it. From a biblical standpoint, it refers to the kind of knowledge that results in right living. For example, the knowledge of God or the knowledge of the scriptures. Now, when we talk about knowledge, I like the scripture that talks about where knowledge begins. And this is very important for us to understand as believers. Go to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, if you have your Bibles. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the starting point. A healthy reverence and fear of the Lord is the starting point. And I believe that's important when it comes to how we exercise spiritual gifts. That's one of the reasons if you were, we started in 1 Corinthians 12, but if you read further, you'll find out that the church at Corinth was all out of order. And Paul had to set order because everybody was about exhibiting whatever gift or tongue that they had and not respecting the order of God. 
And so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, so far we have discussed knowledge as something that can be learned or acquired through teaching, reading, and experience. In other words, knowledge that can be acquired through human effort. Through human effort. And there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, get wisdom, get understanding, get knowledge. But that's through human effort. So what is the word of knowledge, the spiritual gift? Now, I did some digging here in comparing folks, you know, when they talked about the word of knowledge, different definitions. And so I put this together. A word of knowledge is a Holy Spirit-given revelation about a fact, a current circumstance, or something that took place in the past that was impossible for the person giving the word to have known beforehand. A word of knowledge is something that is given by the Spirit to an individual about a person, a fact, some type of information that they had no way of knowing except it was revealed to them by the Spirit of God. When we talk about this kind of knowledge, I like to look at it as, I don't know why this phrase comes to mind, but it's kind of like this is God's secret bag of tricks. (laughs) That knowledge that he reveals when he deems it appropriate. So the word of knowledge, it serves the purpose of letting the person who the word is for, it's let, it lets them know that God sees them. He sees what they're going through or have been through. It normally encourages the person or exhorts them to continue in the right path or maybe even change the path that they're going down. It's connected to that individual's life, or it could just be something. uh, We might receive a word of knowledge concerning the direction of this church. Something that, and especially when it comes to the pastors, because of course, you know, God shows them, gives them the vision. And if someone stands up and gives a word of knowledge about the direction of the church and they've been praying and praying and praying and then somebody stands up and gives this word that contains information that they could not possibly have known except by the Spirit, that is sometimes how it occurs. If you were here a couple Sundays ago, Prophet Ron had a word of knowledge for me basically telling me to get up off my duff and get in the game. (laughs) After I had told my wife I was going to just sit back, and and I'm like, the first thing I said, was he in my bedroom? What the heck? (laughs) But that's what the word of knowledge will do. But the thing about it was I didn't receive it in a wrong way because it was encouraging to me. It, It encourages It exhorts. That's the thing. It doesn't cut down. It doesn't injure. Now, here are some examples 
that I want to show you in the scriptures concerning the word of knowledge. First place we want to go is John chapter 4. John chapter 4. This is probably familiar to most of you. This is Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. Let's start at verse 1. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples did, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And so he has this encounter, and they conversate for a little bit, and Jesus tells her about this living water that he has. And she expresses the desire for some of this living water. In verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. But you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, it might have seemed a little mean for Jesus to kind of call her out like that, but that was not his motivation. His motivation was to reveal himself to her as a Samaritan woman who he really was. But of course, our God, he's a God of love, but he's also a holy God. So he has to deal with our issues and so he's dealing with her issues, and he uses a word of knowledge in that situation. Now, you may be thinking, well, he's the son of God. He's God himself. But you have to remember, though he is God, at that moment, he ministered as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And exercising that gift as a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit. The scripture says that the Spirit was given to him without measure. In other words, without limit. And so that's the word of knowledge in action. And if you read further, you'll see that she starts to go through all Samaria testifying, saying, come see a man who told me everything about myself. Folks believed, then they heard Jesus and said, now we believe not because you have testified, but we've heard him for ourselves. All of that started with a word of knowledge. Go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8.
Peter is ministering here. If we're going to start at, let me see, what do I have down here? Verse 14. Verse 14. It says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, or should I say the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So he thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. He gives a word of knowledge concerning the state of his heart. He didn't just rebuke what he said or his actions. He saw right to his heart and said what he was bound by. Again, the word of knowledge. Now let's go to Acts 21. Acts 21, and we're going to start let's look at verse 8. It says, On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Now when he had heard, we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Oh, I skipped the part, didn't I? Verse 11. That's the most important verse. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when we had heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. And so they, the Holy Spirit tells him exactly what's going to happen. He takes his belt and says, this is going to happen to the man who owns this belt. A word of knowledge. Now, I kind of wrestled with that one, because it kind of crosses over to prophecy, too. 
But then when you see Ron prophesy, he goes back and forth as well. So that's the word of knowledge. Now, let me repeat what the word of knowledge is before we go to the word of wisdom. It says, a word of knowledge is a Holy Spirit-given revelation about a fact, a current circumstance, or something that took place in the past that was impossible for the person giving the word to have known beforehand. So knowledge focuses on information or facts. So now let's talk about wisdom. What is wisdom? Oxford's Dictionary. The quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. The quality of being wise. Now, how do we acquire wisdom? Knowledge plus experience, which teaches how to apply knowledge, what conditions to apply to certain situations, and when to apply it. So wisdom is actually the application of knowledge. Now, I have an example. Um, most of you know I served in the Air Force for 22 years. And there's a process to become, to become qualified in the job that you've been chosen for. After you go through basic training, you go to tech school. And you go to tech school to acquire your three level. We call it a three skill level. That's the apprentice level for that particular job or career field. You acquire some knowledge, some information, some skill, and you are allow allowed to do the job while you're supervised. As a three-level, you could not do the job unsupervised. Somebody more experienced had to be watching over you to make sure you're doing everything correctly. After a while, you progress to the five-skill level, which is the journeyman level. At the five-skill level, you have experience, you have knowledge, and you're able to do the job on your own. Now, it doesn't mean that you're an expert, but you're good enough at the job to do it on your own without supervision. Then you have the seven skill level, which is the craftsman level. The craftsman level is where you are considered one of the experts in your field. And you are considered that because you have served in that job a certain amount of time, proven that you're very good at it, because you weren't just given the seven level, there were things that you had to do in order to gain that seven level. And the big thing that comes with being a seven level is that your experience and knowledge combine to give you wisdom. Because there are things about that particular job that you didn't learn in a book that you, no one taught you. It's experience and understanding of, of, of the big picture and how things work 
that enable you to gain wisdom. One example that comes to mind, too, is how many in here cook? Now, how many in here know how to put their foot in it? Here's what I mean. My wife would tell me about, she learned to cook from her grandmother, largely. And she would watch her grandmother. And her, my wife would ask her, how much of this, how do you know how much of this to put in there? And how much to put of that in there? You're not measuring. How am, if I'm learning from you, I need to know how much. And her grandmother basically responded, you just know. You just know. Because her experience, practice, expertise has gotten her to a point she can do it without even really thinking about it. She knows how. She, she, her experience taught her what things go together and what things don't. And what, how much to do with this and how much to put that in there. Wisdom. There's wisdom that applies, if you will, to every area of expertise. How many, anybody in here an auto mechanic? Man, I not one hand? Where's Cam? The pastor is saying, where's Cam? <laughs> the big thing is, I know when it comes to working on cars, there are things, yeah, there are procedures that you, you follow. But there are procedures that you follow, but then there are things you learn just based on listening. And you know what to do and what not to do because of the experience you've gained in working on cars, on automobiles. Now, that may be less so today because everything's computerized, but I know back in the day, that, w- that skill was especially important. So that's what I mean when I talk about wisdom. It comes through experience gained by facing tough situations. Now, from a biblical standpoint, Wisdom is the knowledge and practice of the requisites or requirements for godly and upright living. This is gained by knowledge of God, his word, and experience. Now, earlier, we went to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, where he said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, let's go to Psalm 111. Psalm 111, verse 10. And look at what it says there. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the starting point for wisdom is also the fear of the Lord. So we need the fear of the, the reverential fear of the Lord when it comes to knowledge and to wisdom. Again, the wisdom that I've described so far can be acquired through human effort. Now let's look at the word of wisdom. 
It is Holy Spirit given wisdom concerning how to apply what is known. Holy Spirit given wisdom that shows how to apply what is known. Now let's look at what I believe is an example of the word of wisdom going forth. Go to Acts chapter 14. Acts 14. The disciples, or should I say the apostles, are going forth and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. They're seeing not only Jews saved, but they're seeing Gentiles saved. We're going to start, let's see, let's start at verse 19. It says, Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So let's stop there for a second. That last verse in Acts chapter 14 focuses on the fact that Paul and, and all of his disciples are testifying to what God is doing among the Gentiles. Now, the reason why they're doing that is because the gospel was to be preached first to the Jews. Jesus, when he came, he said, I have come but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, it was all Jews who got saved. And that continued to be the case until we get to Acts chapter 10. And this man named Cornelius, who's seeking the Lord. And God uses Peter to go preach the gospel to him, something that Peter in his flesh was not ready to do. In fact, he went into his house under the direction of God, or else he wouldn't even went into his house. And it was at Cornelius' house while he's preaching the gospel, before he even gives the invitation, the Holy Spirit falls on them and they begin to speak with other tongues. 
And so that was a big deal, and they're making a big deal out of it here in Acts 14. Now, I wonder why. Let's look at verse 1 of Acts 15. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So you have these Jewish converts who are insisting, yes, we hear what you're saying about what God has done with the Gentiles. But in order for them to be saved, they must be circumcised. Now, this was a real issue, one that they had not confronted before. You're going to see that this issue gets even deeper. Let's look at verse 2. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Now, most of the folks that were in Jerusalem that were believers were Jewish. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So this was becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger issue. And at the time, this was just debate going back and forth, but no one really knew what the answer to this question was. Verse 6. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when they had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. It made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. So Peter's making his case. Paul and Barnabas are making their case. But then someone stands up. Verse 13. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. James quotes a passage from the book of Amos 
Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. And he uses that to set up what the Holy Spirit is about to reveal to him and reveal to the others how they're to deal with the Gentiles. Verse 18, known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. So now James gives direction as to how the Gentiles will be dealt with. Again, this had never been done before. Now, how do we know this was from the Spirit of God? Let's read further. Verse 22. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barnabas, or should I say Barsabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such command, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the things by word of mouth. Report the same things by the word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. That you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So James receives a word of wisdom to deal with a situation that the church up until that point had never dealt with. It had never confronted. And it was important. This was very, very important. This was so important, the two groups of people Actually, they were of the same group, just in two different locations. Jews who were believers, they troubled the church even from this point forward. So much so, Paul had to write a letter to the church at Galatia because you had those who were still trying to teach that in order to be saved, you have to keep the law. And so, James addressed it. So he just tells the Gentiles, this is all you have to do. Abstain from blood. Abstain from sexual immorality. Abstain from those things sacrificed or dedicated to idols. We have no need to trouble you with anything else. Now, this was very, very important because, number one, the truth of God was at stake. Number two, the unity of the body was at stake. Peter had insisted, saying, hey, look, 
I'm preaching to them, and while I'm preaching to them, the Holy Spirit falls on them as it fell on us. Showing that God has no distinction between Jew or Gentile. Black or white. Male or female. No distinction whatsoever. That word of wisdom for that situation was very important. Because if that had not been given, where would the church be today? So that's the word of wisdom. Now I want to conclude with this before we open it up for questions. The difference between the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom is this. The word of knowledge is informational while the word of wisdom is directional. The word of knowledge reveals that which was not known before. The word of wisdom reveals what should be done. Amen? Amen. And then let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to end on this note. Because though in Ephesians 4 it deals with the office gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But starting in verse 12, I believe it applies to all of the gifts. And it states what the purpose of spiritual gifts are. Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So this is about the growth of the body. Now, there's a tendency to look at the growth of the body as how we grow. And that's important. But how many know that God wants to grow the body by adding to the body? And so spiritual gifts serve that purpose as well. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. Joe, do we have any questions? Not yet. If you have questions, send them to Joe. There's a phone number up on the center screen. If you guys have any questions for Elder Ed, now's the time to send them in. Don't be shy. Yep, I like ask, asking questions. Very or should I say answering them? At least attempting to answer them. 
Easy questions, hard questions, off-the-wall questions, <laughs> seemingly unrelated. Watch him relate it. That sounds like a challenge, Joe. The number, if you cannot see it, is area code 325-277-3849. I dare you to ask him a question. He's pretty thorough, guys. A round of applause for Elder Ed Sutton. So there's no questions? As the president of a Bible college for the past seven, I, I, I want to say 60 years, um, tonight I heard a lecture from a man that should have his THD because there's such revelation in you. And I think this will stir people to come to your class. Praise God. Thank you, Sister Sandra. We have one question that's come in so far. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, mm -hmm. what unity and knowledge of Christ are they talking about? And several more questions have come in. Okay, let's, let's read that. It says, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. When it's talking about the unity of the faith, it's talking about all of us growing up in the faith. Growing up in the faith, serving the same Lord, being on the same page. One of the things that's very important for us to understand that's very important to God, and that is unity in the body of Christ based on truth. Unity of the body of Christ. So believing the same things, marching to the same tune, marching to the same beat of the drummer, and the drummer is the Holy Spirit. And let's, how many have been in church for a long time? Have you ever seen it where a church is in perfect unity? That's something we're striving for. That's one of the reasons why we're teaching on spiritual gifts. So that we all learn to hear from God. That we all develop in the gifts that God has given to us. One of the things that I share, especially with new members or new believers, First thing I say is that you need us because we have what you need. But then I share this one, and sometimes they go, what? We need you because you have what we need. 
because we're all part of the body. There are no big eyes. There are no little U's. So that's what we're talking about, the unity of the faith, where we're all growing, because that's what God wants. He wants us to grow, and it talks about it here, and to, the, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me use this example. Um, I used this once before. What's the, 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 um, the superheroes, the movie? The Avengers. Captain... Captain America. How many saw Captain America, the first Avenger? Remember Captain America before he was Captain America? How big his head was on that little body? Well, guess what? That's a picture of the body of Christ. Christ is the head. We're the body. And he wants us to be transformed from the Captain America before the change to the one after the change, where his body matches the head. That's what it's all about. What's the next question? We have quite a few now. Great questions. Here's another question. Does the knowledge always come before the wisdom, do they always come together at the same time? Well, it's been my experience and my greatest experience has been with Prophet Ron. It appears to me that they flow together because that's why I went with the word of knowledge first, then the word of wisdom, which is the application of what is known. Because Ron will reveal things that only God knew, and then often he will follow it with wisdom or instruction. So I think they flow together, and then prophecy also is a part of that mix. Hopefully that answers your question. That ties into the next question, actually. What is a good indicator to differentiate from this gift, the ones you're talking about tonight, words of knowledge and wisdom and the prophetic gift that Prophet Ron talked about? What was a good indicator? Okay. Knowledge normally reveals either something that happened in the past or as a present situation. The word of wisdom will give instruction about what to do in that present situation. The prophetic begins to proclaim what the future will bring for you. That's the difference between... But again, when you think about it, they all, I mean, they just go together like a hand in glove. Next question? Yeah, wow. They're getting better. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Have you ever given a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom? Were you nervous? Did you know the difference? (laughs) How nervous were you, I think, is the real question. Well, I've never given a word of knowledge like before a whole body or anything like that. It does happen like when I'm ministering to someone, uh, 
you know, at, at altar call, that type of thing. But I will tell you an experience I had. This was years ago. Um, our pastors back in Florida, uh, we had uh, co-pastors, uh, husband and wife. Well, the wife, I think if my memory serves me correctly, she had been sick. And so she had been out for a little while. And she was back on this particular Wednesday night. And something in my spirit just strongly said, I can't even remember what I said to her. But I said something about, something to the effect that she wouldn't face this again or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. And she looked. Now, at the time, I'm going to tell you the truth. I didn't even really know what I was doing. But she looked and she said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. And that's when I, all of a sudden it hit me like, whoa. <laughs> so that's my experience. Again, but I, I'm nowhere near like a Ron Campbell or anything like that. So actually the answer to whether I was nervous, I didn't really know what I was doing, so I couldn't be nervous. <laughs> it's good when you don't know what you're doing. That's probably not true, but anyway. <laughs> Got any more questions? Yes, sir. We're uh, correlating these questions as they come in here. Uh, I'm going to break this question down in simplicity. Um, as far as all of the spiritual gifts go, um, is it uh, who, who can receive these spiritual gifts? Anybody, nobody, specific people are uh, do, uh, specifically referring to the spiritual, the one, the whole gifts of the Holy Spirit, the, the session that we're on. Um, who all can get them and uh, are they for everybody? They Did you go are on that road. They are for everyone who knows the Lord Jesus Christ. There is, I said it earlier, there are no big eyes, there are no little U's. In fact, my expectation is that Joel chapter 2 will be fulfilled. Where God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And you're going to receive visions and dreams and utterances and all kinds of things. And you know what? We need those things to fight the battle that we're in right now as a church. I believe that this whole thing about, and this is me speaking, so don't get mad at pastor. But I believe the time is coming when this whole thing about non-charismatic, charismatic, denomination, Baptist, all this other kind of, and God's going to like, I'm tearing all that down. Because his body, we, his body, he's going to invade some people's worlds who've been preaching for years against the gifts of the Spirit. Because God don't care about that stuff. Denomination, non-charismatic, charismatic, he doesn't care about that. All he cares about is that I'm going to do in my body what I desire to do. Any more? Oh, yes. 
And there's a lot of great questions in here. Some uh, kind of pull us off topic, so I'm going to stick to the ones primarily that keep us on topic with words of knowledge and wisdom. Okay. And for the questions that we're not able to get to, we will be responding to those questions via text, the ones that come in yep. the best we can uh, in the days to come. This also, one... Before you say anything, Joe... Yes, sir. I want to uh, also... I probably don't have to say this, but I just want to say it. Please, especially past the First Lady, Sandra, Jeff, if you guys have anything to chime in on these things, please feel free to do, to do it. And if, depending on what kind of question it is, I might be calling for help. No, you got this, dog. <laughs> Next question. How can I identify what gifts Jesus has given me? Ooh. Yeah, I want to hit you with a hard one here. Ooh. Well, um, I'll go with what my experience has been. Uh, we've had, like, spiritual gift inventories and teachings. Uh, we've had that here at Freedom Fellowship where there's a group of questions that you answer as honest as you possibly can. And that helps. There are questionnaires online that you can go to. Uh, my experience, though, is this. What gets you going? What motivates you? Now, I know you guys may not have any idea what motivates me, but man, teaching, I just happened to stumble upon that. No, I'm kidding. That's, that's, that's me. And I knew before anyone told me, because I have a passion for truth, and I have a passion to impart it to others. Okay? So that's why I say, what's, what gets you going? What's your passion? That may give you a clue as to what your spiritual gifts are. Now, one of the things, as we go through the, the gifts, here's something to be cognizant of as well. That whole list of gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, many times they operate and flow in such a way that you may get a word of knowledge and then may not get one for who knows how long, and then boom, it comes in. They, a lot of times they kind of come and go, okay? So when you talk about spiritual gifts, don't confuse that with your purpose, what God has called you to do, Okay? Because again, like we just read in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, and what First Lady has been emphasizing, desire spiritual gifts. Desire. I've been praying that first verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 more and more here lately. I want more, God. I want more. Okay? What's the next one? I'm on a roll. Yeah, yeah. What's up? Um, really going to have time probably for just two more questions okay. before we have an ice cream party. This question here asked, can you pray for the Holy Spirit 
to anoint us with these two gifts. Are you asking me to pray, or are you, is that can I pray? Can anyone pray? I, I, I guess I'm trying to figure out what that question means. I feel like I'm supposed to leave the question where it is and let you go with it. Repeat that question again, Joe. Yes, sir. Can you pray for the Holy Spirit to anoint us with these two gifts? Yes, pray for us. That just came in after that. Whoever just sent that, thank you for the clarification. Thank God for technology. Would you please, I think is probably what we're asking here. Well, Father... Thank you for your presence here. Just receive it. Thank you for the desire that is building up in the midst of us, Father. We pray right now in Jesus' mighty name that the manifestation of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom will come upon all of us, Father. That you will do those things in us and through us that only you can. And help us, teach us how to exercise these gifts. To minister to the lost, to minister to the hurting. To minister to those who need direction. To minister to those who need Jesus. And may you be glorified in it all, Lord Jesus. We thank you for it, we praise you for it, and we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. I felt that, y'all. One more you said, Jeff? I mean, Joe? I always always do that. It's okay. We're about the same height. (laughs) Spiritually speaking. <laughs> That's right, fix that, bro. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to combine two questions. I feel like they're they're paramount. The first question is how can I tell if I'm going to heaven? And the second question connected to that, how do I get to know God better? If you could Ooh. put those two together and end us tonight. Ooh. This I is think an That's altar. my favorite question there. How can I tell if I'm going to heaven? Receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, and you have a guaranteed ticket. Believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you shall be saved. What was the second part of that question? Uh, It was kind of tandem with that is it was how do I get to know God better assuming there's already salvation okay but I think maybe somebody here needs salvation okay y'all be praying yes definitely